Hey everyone, um, welcome back to Over the Bridge Podcast Season 3, Episode 2. Um, we are so excited to be back again in the studio because we kicked off last time at our live episode um, show in the curtain in Shoreditch, which was wicked actually, isn't it? It was wicked. Yeah, it was loud. Yeah, man, a lot of fun. Had loads of fun. Um, for those of you that don't know us, my name's Bilal and I'm joined by... Kweku. What's going on, people? Tommy Dyer, hello, hello. Yeah, Patrick, P-Money. P-Money. We're all here yeah, today, which yeah. is wicked. And this is like the first time we've all been back in the studio in time, actually. Yeah, since November. It's been a minute yeah, still. It's, it's November. I think it was in November. Yeah, no, it's wow. been, been, been a while still, actually. It's, now, when, we, like, it's when we did that one with um with Chelsea. Chelsea. Yeah. 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 Mm. It's now the end of January, which is mad. Uh. Wow. And here we are anyway. And it's, we've just been chilling in the studio for time before this is talking. <laughs> trying to think about what we should even talk about today, man. Because I think we've all just kind of been out of it for like the last few weeks. I know for me, like I've been doing loads of traveling with work and yeah. Yeah, man. Just been busy. Doing what? New year, new me. New you, man. Cut my hair, you know. Cut your hair, got Jeez. new clothes. Nah, these, these, Have you lost these, your powers? these old rags. Have you lost your powers with a haircut? Yeah. Have I what? Lost your powers. 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 Yeah, man. Oh, yeah. I didn't think about that. Because right. the, the, the live show, I had my hair in it. Mm. Then maybe you fresh maybe Chatty next week. no more. So. Huh? <laughs> no, Chatty Patty can never die. Imagine regardless of fresh trim Chattiness or not. Chattiness was in the hair. Right? Yeah. Regardless of fresh trim or not, the Chatty Patty will never die, blood. Yeah, I remember when Patrick came to the live, yeah, and he went, Yeah, I don't really feel like talking today. And then, like, like what kind of lies is this? <laughs> it was like five minutes of Patrick just pure talking. He just looked at me like, Okay, cool. I should probably yeah, stop. I'm good, man. I'm good. You're back, man. Yeah. But um, well, yeah, it's just been a busy, busy start to the year, really. Mm. Doing lots of different stuff. Moved yeah. house as well. Yeah, man, lots going on. Lots going on. Mm, loads of change, man. Yeah. It's yeah. been like a season of change. Mm. In yeah, a good way, talk, Real talk, man. Are you not still doing your New Year's resolutions? Mm. I don't have New Year's resolutions. Oh, that's what I like to Because I don't believe in them. Okay. Because if Why? I call... No, because if, I don't know. Psychologically, if I call it a New Year's resolution, mm. it's going to be broken by January 15th. Yeah. Mm. It's always been like that. But I have, you... I, have, I have goals for the new year, really. Mm. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've sort of learned that I don't know. I've, I think I've learned with goal setting that unless it's like this goal must be achieved and you have to be like militant with it. You know, the year ebbs and flows and yeah. we live, we have life to live. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I've got a couple of goals for the year. The one that, uh, probably the nice, not nicest, they're all nice, but the nicest one for me is probably reading a little bit more. Um, I don't have a target of how many books I'm going to read, mm-hmm. but I basically, instead of, being on my phone listening to music or whatever I just now use my commute for reading books um, which is what I used to do a lot a lot younger when I was a, a kid but less so as I'm a young adult so I'm doing that a bit more now um, obviously the, the monetary stuff like saving up a bit more and being a bit wiser with finances and, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but that one's a perpetual goal I think that we all have yeah. do you know what I mean but yeah save up get a house isn't it yeah that's, that's probably one of the plans don't know when that buy a house 20, 2019 yeah I'm not sure 2019, um, uh, but the great squad, I'm in a good position. Like, the, mm. the, is there in it, but I yeah. don't think it'll be this year. Plus, we discussed this the whole living at home podcast as well. I like being at home as well, so mm. the decision to actually leave my mum by herself will mm. be a tougher decision than I, thought, so, I think um, it would actually be. This is it, man. So, basically, since I've been back at my parents' house, which has been like a year and ages now, um, I've been trying to not make my room my home so I don't get settled there. Mm. So even things like I never fully unpacked when I first came there Mm. and I still had things in boxes Mm. and my room was tiny and my bed was broken and I didn't have a wardrobe and all of this (laughs) stuff, yeah? And I've been living like that for a year and a bit. And then whilst I, I just came back from Singapore today, yeah? And whilst I was away, my parents like, changed my room and decorated it for me, which is so nice. I've now got got a new bed, got a wardrobe. My bed's bigger. I had a single bed. Now I've got like a in-between single and double bed. Oh, you're growing up, man. That's so cute. And I've got a wardrobe. Like I've got actual things. And it was it was so nice to walk into it this morning. But on the the other hand, I was like, oh no, now I live here. Which is weird because the whole time I've been- So when you moved back, it was only supposed to be a temporary thing. I was supposed to be there for three months and it's been like, I don't know, 15. So I think you've already failed at your mission. I failed at that nah, mission. So you might as well just leave the room. Yeah, I know, I know. But coming back there and it was like, oh, now I actually feel comfortable here. Yeah, like it yeah, changed yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 No, it's, it's probably better to embrace the current position yeah. than when you're ready to make that move. Yeah. Like, I was thinking about it this morning though. Like, I was like, 
if I didn't li- if I if I lived at home and I'll just have so much extra cash per month like I, I didn't know. have to worry about rent Bro, mm, the things that I would do, cash is king, my friends. Cash is king. Yeah, no, I've, I've thought about this a million times. Like, mm. I should move out. I can afford a rent and a half. Brother, you should. Place. Everyone knows you should have like, bought your own company by now, man. Yeah. With the money you're saving. <laughs> but I, I own that house, isn't it? It's my actually my house. So yeah, it's yeah. a weird predicament I'm in. Okay, mm. yeah. So why are you calling it your parents' yard when your because it's the in your name? Definitely my parents. Yeah, but it's in your name. We know it's my parents' yard. You know, the remote. If you ask up, mom, get the remote. If you were a bad son, you could tell your parents to get out because it's your yard. God forbid you won't do it in it, but. We know that I wouldn't. Yeah, we know. Yeah. But if There's you, only certain types. You know them. <laughs> you know if you're a bad duty, you, you yeah. could be like your parents get out of my house. <laughs> can you imagine? Yeah, no, nah, I can never that's do that, nuts. blood. I can that's never. Nuts. Anyway, should we jump into this? Yeah, this yeah, week, let's yeah. talk, man. Let's do it. Yeah. Do so, um, basically, the context behind this is that for my role as a facilitator, I end up having a lot of deep conversations about like things to do with oppression. Do you ever give people Kleenexes when you do like these facilitation things? Because no. the conversation gets that heavy where someone no, wants no. The, people the know Kleenex. That, you know, if you want to walk out, walk out. But, you know, also we're adults. So sit in a conversation and embrace the difficult and challenging chats. Fair enough. Um, and if you can't handle it, then really think about why that is for you. Like, what is it going on for you personally? Same, no. Um, sorry, anyway, okay, sorry, sorry. anyway um, one of the things that we end up talking about quite often is colonialism And I've been doing a lot of thinking about it myself And um, would love to kind of have this conversation with you lot Not just about colonialism in terms of like, you know, once upon a time The British got in ships and they went and invaded everyone But what does the, what's the impact of colonialism for us living our lives today mm. And like, I'd love to kind of hear from everyone sort of there in their own context or of how they see that. Mm. 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 Uh, for me, yeah, it's weird. I think it's impacted my life in multiple ways and that's the case for everyone. But two, well, one way that immediately sticks out for me is in regards to religion. Mm-hmm. And so Ghana, right? Ghana, where um, my family are from, is I think to, to this day, like it has the highest percentage of Christians in the world, or well, one of the highest for sure. Yeah, I think it's like over seventy percent of the in population like per con- for, for like as in population percentage, percentage. Of population. Oh, percentage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So like, I think it's like over seventy percent of the population identify as Christian, right? Okay. And with that, are there of, are, are there not a lot of Muslims in Ghana as well? It's like twenty percent or so. It's, oh, not, okay. it's not. It's not. I thought it was a lot more Christian. balanced. No, no, Nigeria is like fifty-fifty, I believe. Yeah, but in Ghana is is definitely less, less so. so. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, but I mean, it is quite uh, what well, I could explain or describe as like peaceful coexistence between Christians and Muslims in Ghana specifically. But mm. I think um, it's meant that kind of traditional belief systems, right? And this is something probably we're going to talk about in another episode, but I'll just introduce it slightly here mm. have mm. become <laughs> demonized, mm-hmm. right? Mm. And I feel like Christianity or religion. And the attachment to it has led to a lot of downfalls of the situation in the country. Mm. Because mm. there's this whole belief system in kind of externalizing your problems and your situations yeah. to an outside force, which has meant that people take less. And I, it's hard to, I mean, it's hard to say this, but I feel like people take less responsibility and um in regards to improving their own situations the thinking is that god will come in and sort yeah out. like god, god will sort out. i can oh. i can just pray for it and it will kind of come to mm. exist which is kind of not biblical anyway but yeah yeah, we'll talk yeah, yeah to be fair to be fair mm. but i mean it's just i think it's, 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 it's drastically changed people's thought process as far as what control they have over yeah. their lives and their destinies right? sure no, I was giving me eyes. No, he's giving me eyebrow. Like I turned around and you were staring at me, innit? Give me an eyebrow. No, because yeah, I don't know why we're having beef. That's what I'm saying. You know what it is? What's wrong with the black community, man? Tom walked in and I was sitting in the armchair. That's what it was. Chill out, man. No, he looked at I don't know what's going on. Is it on site? Is it We're 15 again. Like, why are you trying to fight? can't look at you, Tom. Don't even look at me. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Alright, let's let's go back to it. But yeah, but, um, um, yeah, I hear, yeah, I hear what you're saying. 100%. Yeah, but the way the way the way that's I don't know. 
manifested in, in, in my life, at least, is like... Yeah. Yeah, I think it's this, this whole thing around, um, yeah, having control over your own destiny. Mm. Um, I feel like that's less, less of a... Um, I don't know, man. It's just it's, it's a weird one. So there's that aspect of it, but then there's also as far as how we see ourselves. So if we don't see ourselves in our religion, mm-hmm. right? Mm. We're worshiping a God and following a, a faith that was kind of given to us under mm. colonialism, under very negative Let's circumstances. Call it duress, yeah. Under duress. <laughs> Like more time it was though, isn't it? So, you know. Yeah, it, no, came, yeah. it came with the idea that we're actually trying to help you, or like we're trying to civilize. We're trying to you, civilize you, you exactly. Give you this like moral foundation. Yes. So, what does that do for the self-esteem of mm. an African person? To or, tell someone that the, the the order in which they do things is completely wrong or backwards. Yeah, or backwards or whatever. So, what are you saying? Or evil? Are you saying that Ghanaian people shouldn't be Christian? No, no, no. Nah, that's, nah. that's that's not. No. I think I think religion is 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 a, is a case by case basis. I think my whole thing with religion is is a tool for me personally. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, I've I've seen a lot of that in particularly people who are older. Yeah. That. Like, I tell people all the time. I've said this to my mum. I'm like, you cannot ever tell me that the church as an institution can it cannot be questioned. I'm like, mm. every single institution we have mm. should be put to questions, mm. well, including the leaders. Within those institutions mm. So it's not When they suddenly go and say something It's not true Or, or no When they say something it's, it's true Because it's absolute gospel mm. I'm like It doesn't work that way I'm like And, and the problem is Is definitely like um, And I can speak definitely For like The, the mm. Like Archetypal Older West African community Particularly like In Ghana and Nigeria That the church Is a hallowed institution that you do not question any of the doctrines. And I mean any, even though mm. we know some of the doctrines to have come out um, of the church, and I don't, and, and a lot of it isn't even biblical, is wrong. Mm-hmm. But parents, more time, <coughs> and grandparents and aunties are like, oh no, this is it. You know, man, is, man of God, woman of God has said this, therefore this is it. And, and I'm like, this doesn't necessarily work. And actually, because of this um, kowtow attitude, people often sometimes do rest on their laurels. Oh yeah, God will do it. God will do it. It's true. But it even says in the Bible, faith without works is dead. Mm. That's biblical, isn't it? Like, mm. I think it was Karl Marx who said like, religion's the opium of the masses. That's right. right. Yeah. Mm. It's right. Faith without works, more time is dead. You mm. cannot have faith. It's like someone saying, oh, I have, I have faith that God will help me with my exam. Okay, that's good. We thank God. But if you don't do any revision, how are you even going to pass your exam? Mm. So suddenly uh, someone, God will appear to you the night before and tell you what the exam's going to be when you've done no effort whatsoever. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes that's what I've um, seen mm. uh, and heard and you know people's attitudes, the way they display it because of religion. We don't have to go and do things. And it's a complete, um, <coughs> sorry, a bit fluey. It's a bit, it's a complete perverse mindset, I mm. think. Mm. Um, and that's on the basis so, of, but 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 even like more than that for me, at least on a, a personal level, for me, it's 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 made it weird the way I interact with when I'm in Ghana, the way that I the kind of relationships I can build with people because it's so your religion is so pertinent in your day to day life. Like I've literally had conversations with people where me not being a Christian has led to them preaching at me. Like they'll ask me, "Oh, so do you go to church?" And I'll be like, "Oh no, no, no." And this is, I mean, I've been from my whole. Spiritual, religious journeys, mm. and whatever you. I used to think you were Muslim, man. Yo, <laughs> I was born. I was born and raised like Catholic. In it, I've been. Like, I've studied mm. different religions and whatever you. But when I was like fourteen, fifteen, like, it, it basically didn't make sense to me. It, mm. didn't, it didn't resonate with me anymore. So, but so, but when I tried to have those conversations with people, I'm look, literally looked at like I'm some demon. Like, bro, what's going on for you? Like you, and they literally tried to preach. To you, I've been in situations where I was like doing work experience and gone actually for a week. I was in a bank, and <coughs> someone that I was, was kind of supervised me, I guess, literally tried to convert me on the spot. Like, and 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 this is something I I, I want to say that is a um, maybe that's a one off experience, but I've had like multiple occasions where mm. family members and mm. oh, you know, you should you should you know, and I know it's because they might maybe have their my best interest at all, whatever, but. I don't know. I think religion has just, because it's so tied now to identity as well, and just that belief 
it's so ingrained it has a lot of negative mm-hmm. impacts as well mm-hmm. even as far as how i can connect with people in my own community yeah um i think yeah without this sort of turning into like just a, a conversation about religion because obviously there's so many other aspects of colonialism of course, that we need, yeah. to, we need to touch on mm-hmm. um but one thing i'd say about this is yeah first of all i agree with what both of you are saying um and i think that the thing about not seeing yourself in your religion or at least like not like for example when i was younger if someone was to ask me what what did god look like to tell you the truth i'd probably think of like a white guy with a big beard like mm-hmm. i wouldn't think of a black person yeah something like i don't know he wears sandals i don't know but like <laughs> even like the image of white jesus that's just like mm. you know everybody knows about that so it's yeah it's a funny one um but f- specifically the fact that the way christianity basically the way that christianity started i it was a revolutionary thing and now it's become an institution that maintains the status quo that tells you everything that you need to know. So somewhere mm. along the line, um, Christianity, religion, let's like, because obviously it's not just Christianity, but we're talking about Western colonization. Christianity became a tool of mm. um, the state. It became a tool of um, maintaining the status quo. Um, and you know, we've we we know that, um, for example, slave masters omitted stuff from the Bible so that it wouldn't that, like all, anything to do with like liberation and stuff like that. They omitted that from the Bible so that the slaves wouldn't get any ideas. Like we know all that stuff. So yeah, it's that it is a very um um is a very not sinister but like pertinent thing when it comes to to our identity. Like because as black people, like it's almost unusual, or at least it was almost unusual if you weren't religious, you weren't mm-hmm. Christian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do you know true. what I mean? That's true. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, I think that is something that definitely affects our our modern day lives. Um, but I feel like that is changing. Like, I feel like as you know, this generation gets older and older and we start to question things. One thing I've noticed about our generation is that we actually question things a lot more than yeah. our parents do. Absolutely. And yeah. I've I've had discussions with my dad before and not not necessarily about religion but um just about things in general like i remember one time i was talking about the monarchy and oh it's when queen elizabeth was like um ill i think it was just before i moved to brazil and she was ill maybe or i can't remember but um my dad was like oh i'd be so sad if she dies and i was like but so what if mm. she she dies like she's a woman like she's old that's what that's what happens when you're old they die and my dad was like how can you say that and i was like Look, man, I don't care about the monarchy. And he's like, how can you not care about the monarchy? And I was like, well, why would I? Like, what what do mm. they? And he's like, and I was like, I was asking him like, what do they do on a like? How do they positively affect your life on a day to day basis? And he couldn't really come up with anything. Mm. And I was like, well, there you go. And he's like, but you just have to you just have to respect them. And I was like, but why? And, but I think for me, that's all part and parcel of this this thing of our generation. I think we are more open to asking questions and more willing to unlearn stuff mm. rather than just kind of going along with things just because we've been told. And I think that that is, that is one of the legacies of colonialism. Like you, you're just supposed to just agree with the status quo. Okay, you're a monarchist. Why are you monarchist? Why are they good? Why are they good? Oh, I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, well, yeah, what were you going to say, Bilal? No, I was thinking about liberation theology, going back to that religion point, right? Mm-hmm. And thinking about what you said, Patrick, about obviously... I did theology, obviously, like I am religious. I, I know like a lot of this stuff. Mm. Um, and I agree with your point about, you know, when Christianity started, it was a social justice movement that mm. then grew into a tool of oppression, mm. right? And was used to maintain the status quo and uphold it. Mm-hmm. And then was like used by white people as a tool to oppress and enslave black people, which mm. we all know. Mm-hmm. And then the lived experience of that today is that people then use Christianity in a way that doesn't challenge the status quo. Yeah. And then it upholds colonial mindset in that way. Yeah. Um, That's basically what I was saying, but a lot better articulated. Well, you know me, man. Yeah, go on. No, but I was thinking, <laughs> I was thinking like, what else? <laughs> that was bare smug. Um, yeah. I'm used to it. <laughs> I was thinking like, in what other ways though, other than religion, mm. do we see the impacts of colonialism well, I, still I was, for us? I mean, the thing is, I remember having a conversation with someone about this years ago. And um, he was saying that when you think about it, um, particularly, and you see it with black people in inner city areas in the UK, 
It's almost like they're a generation behind uh, other counterparts. Um, and that isn't just a function of colonialism. It's too easy to fright just completely on that. That is a function of that, but it's obviously a combination of several other things as well. When you say a generation behind, in what sense? Um, I mean, in terms of like... Uh, the mindset with regards to uh, things like home ownership and um, uh, putting your kids in good schools, and I mean, I mean, as a mass collective group, not just individual people that are ahead of the ball in that mm. sense. Um, I, I, I think it's too easy <laughs> to pin it all on colonialism, and I definitely wouldn't do it on that. But um, I definitely think that because of colonialism and therefore the, the attitudes to, um, towards immigration and immigrants like we see with Enoch Powell, Rivers of Blood and things like that, um, it becomes or became harder for people who were black early on. And I mean sort of 50s, 60s, maybe even 70s, I guess, to actually get on in life. Um, and I mean, by get on, I mean is you're a qualified doctor, lawyer, accountant, whatever, but they're not recognized, or they may not be, rec- they might not want to recognize that because of the attitude they have towards immigrants, which is a function of colonialism. Mm. Um, and so ultimately what that means is our parents, grandparents, aunties, uncles, starting from a lower base than where they should, should be. have mm, started yeah. at. And so that now boils down to us, mm as a generation, essentially starting from a lower base than where we should be starting off from. Yeah. Now, I'll, I'll, I'll finish and then... Yeah, on, sure, man. Yeah. I think... Um, I like what I see with the, the generation around us because I, I think that we have a slightly different mindset, I think, than our parents. And it's not necessary to blame our parents entirely because I think that we almost have more freedom and flexibility to have of that course, mindset. Yeah. We've had this discussion about racism plenty of times. Let's not let's not ignore us. Let's not ignore the fact that racism. Um, let's not ignore the fact that racism isn't a present force in society. People have just been able to mask it a lot better than um, mm-hmm. back in the day. Like my dad was telling me um, uh, when he used to go to Upton Park and watch West Ham games, he'd often get um, this thing called the Bulldog Magazine, or people would try to sell him the Bulldog Magazine. The Bulldog Magazine is from the National Front, so. They'd just be waiting at Upton Park and and Highbury and all of these other places and and flipping um, uh, White Hart Lane and wherever, just giving people Bulldog magazines. You you wouldn't see that now Mm. at a football stadium. Mm -hmm. But it's not to say that if I go to the Olympic Stadium or whatever, I'm not going to have some people look at me. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, So things have just changed. Mm. Mm. But we have seen opportunities to some extent improve a little bit more. And please, no one come and misquote me and say, I'm saying this is some utopic thing. We've discussed this too many times about the length that we mm-hmm, still have mm-hmm, to go mm-hmm. and twice as hard, half as far. All of that stuff is still present. Mm. But I'm saying that we now probably have what feels like an infinite uh, amount of more space to work on than what our parents had. Mm-hmm. At least it feels that way. Mm-hmm. And so I feel on that basis, it's, it's a bit of a stretch from colonialism in itself, but functions of colonialism mm-hmm. have led us to be in a generation behind. So now it's us that are having to think about home ownership and all of that stuff. And eventually it'll be, our oh, where do we send our kids to school? And I don't just mean as individual people, mm-hmm. I mean, but as a collective group as well, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and I know there are loads of holes in, in what I've said there. So if anyone has any issues with what I've said, please pull them apart because it's just... Something that came off the top of my head because I know I've, I've just jumped from A to B to Z, <laughs> and I recognise that as well. So please, let's let's no, discuss it's, this. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a difficult topic, man, because colonialism is so wide-reaching. It's difficult to to actually pinpoint specific things and be able to do them justice. But one thing that you said that was quite, um, I think, quite interesting for the discussion, quite important to know is a lot. When we talk about colonialism, people automatically sort of think about you know, the British Empire and um, and then suddenly it goes to slavery, right? And it's like, okay, it was such a long time ago, right? Why are you doing that face? No, I'm doing that face because I think um, we can see slavery and colonialism as two separate Well, this things. is what I'm coming to say. Right, okay, cool. So, whenever, so for example, when um, David Cameron was visiting um, Jamaica and um, the Jamaican government wanted to meet with him to discuss reparations... I remember everybody that had an issue with this 
like all the sort of commenters and whatever, all the people that was like, this is a pointless discussion to make all the people in this country. They were like, oh, why are we talking about something that happened so long ago? Mm-hmm. Right. So when did Jamaica get independence? In the 1960s, my dad was a, my dad was born yeah 1962. Mm. My dad yeah. was alive then, like mm. so. I think very often when as soon as we talk about colonialism and the British Empire, people it. think that it's hundreds of years ago. Well, it's right. it's, it's, it's within our my, you know it's my one generation away. This yeah. is yeah. same with my dad who've gone in So we we cannot um like we we can't expect to completely have like ridden ourselves of like we're celebrating Independence Days. Yeah, because they're so and, recent, and and literally it's like fifty years, yeah. fifty five years. Yeah, you know what I mean, so um, that's one thing that I think is really important to understand that this is a this is only a generation ago. Mm. Like, this is only my True. dad. Do you know what mm. I mean? And I think, um, someone actually, so, sorry, sorry, someone mm. showed me a picture of um, oh, it would be a a black kid in a zoo in Belgium. In like the twenties or thirties or something, mm-hmm. and yeah. people having a spectacle, right? Yeah. I think this might have been under King Leopold or something to that effect. And bearing in mind, this is only what hundred hundred years ago, just shy of that. Um, we're not far off. And also, the, the the thing about independence is, like, in terms of the mindset that was bestowed, was independence actually independence in the sense that? They bring along different forms of governance, different forms <laughs> of systems in the order of the British Empire mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and leave you away with it. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. if I was talking to someone like, if you look at a lot of um, uh, like countries in Africa that have or had or have a strong military presence, take Nigeria, for example, a mm-hmm. lot of leaders. Yep. They were all educated in San, at, at Sandhurst. Sandhurst, yeah, yeah. And um, I can't <laughs> list them, but you know, a lot of that, I think Obasanjo went, Buhari's gone, yep. and all of these other people, even before yep. them, went to Sandhurst and they learned how to do things in the British order of doing things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so it, you even have to question whether independence actually means uh, you are now allowed to be independent or it's a case of, okay. Well, we, the, Nigeria know, itself is a colonial project. The fact that Nigeria exists. Yeah. As an entity, the yeah, fact yeah, that Ghana exists yeah, as an entity yeah. is a colonial is 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 a result of colonialism. Um, yeah, it's this stuff is like I, I feel like people don't recognize how recent things are, and also they they do this thing where I've said this before. Our understanding of our present is quite anachronistic in that we think that things have kind of always been the way they they are. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. oh, this is just how like. Um, the Nigerian army or the fact that, um, you know, um, they wear these uniforms or whatever, like, that's just how it is. But no, that's because of a British influence, which, mm. you know, is something that's happened so, in, in the last century. So how do we see that, like, right now? Yeah, that's in, this is what I want to yeah. say that. But. Um, I think it deeply affects how we understand ourselves. So one of the results, I think, of colonialism is the fact that we're all, obviously we're all here, right? But we're all in this country which doesn't really see us as British, truly yeah. doesn't see us as British citizens. Yeah. Do we really so, belong? This is what that? I mean. So for me personally, the, the the fallout of colonialism is that I live in, or I have an identity that is, um, we're is paradoxical. We're, we're almost nomads. Well, yeah. In the country of our birth. Do you know what I mean? It's a, it's a, it's a limbo situation. Like, a, a funny, the funny thing I think about, um, I think about where I work, for example. Um, like I'm one of a few people that was, was born... And raised in London, a lot of people have, have a, you know, they moved from elsewhere, other parts of the world, other right. parts of the UK. But I'm a select few uh, and a select group of mm-hmm. people that were born and raised in London and yeah. still work in London. Same, and, same for me at my job as well. And obviously, apart from same being, yeah. apart from the three or four years we spent out of London and up the M11 in Cambridge, my life has been centered around being in London. Yeah. Um, but I don't get looked at. <laughs> According to the same way mm. that some other count, don't even need to go down, some other counterparts mm. um, are treated like, do you yeah. know what I mean? I'm yeah. treated, and I, I tell you, I tell you something. The first time when I when I worked in the city for the first time, the way I got looked down upon by not here, but when I first started years ago, mm. the way I got looked down upon by by um, a lot of European people, and I mean French, German, just looking at me, I was like. Why are you talking to me in this funny way? Why are you asking me for the tea and the coffee? Like, why are you... And I'm like, bro, it's like, you've come here to my... And I say this in quotes. You come into my country and you're treating me this way because Mm. you expect I need to go and get you the tea and the coffee. Mm -hmm. You're looking at me in this way. And it's like, listen, Mm. this is my home. Mm. This is my decision. Mm. (laughs) 
Like, or this is not my decision to be here, but it's my decision to continue to stay and work here. Mm-hmm. And it's like, listen, it's like you do. Re- and the funny thing is, is this the Brexit debate was coming. I was like, you're, t- you're looking at me this way. But you do realize it will be my decision, or, or at least, you know, in some way, shape, my decision, whether you lot choose, whether you lot get to stay funny here that up or not. Me. Do you know what I mean? Because one, one, like, one thing I was going to say um, in response to this was um, there are a lot of older West Indians, i.e., like the sort of Slightly post Windrush generation well, West the, Indians, the, the the dons that we see in church with the Sunday best hats and yeah, like them and like Love even them. even down to sort of like at least like my 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 parents' age, right? So like late late fifties, like they they have a tendency because West Indians are quite conservative anyway. Mm. Like um, they are they're socially conservative mm-hmm. in their views and whatever, mm. but they have a tendency to be like have Brexiteer. Leanings. Why? Because when they came over here, they were British citizens. They're no longer seen as, you know, sort of British. They're like, well, I mean, they were never ever really seen as truly British citizens, but they were told that they're British citizens. Why? Because they belong to the British Empire. And now what they're seeing is there are people that don't, that come from countries that don't even speak the language that we speak here, that Mm. are granted more rights by virtue of them belonging to the the single market, the European Union. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is what I mean. Like colonialism has 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 brought up a lot of kind of paradoxical situations, and this is this is one of them. It's like you have, you know, a large population of people that are in this country that at one point illegally were British citizens, mm. and suddenly, you know, they're they're mm. they're immigrants. And it's like, well, so, no one two counts. First of all, they they can't really be immigrants if you've invited them over as part of you know you know to come to the. Um, come to the motherland or whatever the the metropolis of the British Empire, and mm. two, you know they you know they came here legally. Yeah. So, also, so we see the impact of colonialism in in today, and kind of like what I'm summarizing here is we're mm. saying one, it brings up questions of identity and belonging, right? Yeah. In terms yep. of should I be here? Am I British? Blah, 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 blah. People don't want me. I don't belong. People mm. are like telling me to make the tea and coffee, all of that stuff. And then two, we kind of see it in. In like it, it then brings out a strange dynamic between people from former colonized nations mm. um, existing in the country who came here probably in the 50s, 60s and 70s mm. and the newer generations of immigrant, right? Mm. And that tension then reacts in like this weird way where you'd think that maybe, you know, people would understand or being like, oh, I came here too. Like I, I was also came here what for work because mm, that's mm, why I mm. thought it'd be a great place to come. But then because I'm from a colonized nation, my one advantage over you is the language. Mm. Or at least, you know, my citizenship. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's a key part of it as well. But then it's this thing of, it's a language that was given to me, mm. right? And like, for all intents and purposes, that's a language that you wouldn't know had it not been for colonialism. Oh, true. Mm. But it's it's also, it's it's more the sense that, like, I've, I've seen this watching, sir. I've seen this mm. like watching like plenty of documentaries and reading around and stuff. And obviously I wasn't living around in the 50s, but it's the notion that, okay, um, particularly that like Windrush, Windrush generation and, and and a little bit beyond that as well. It's like, mm. okay, come, you are in a satellite country mm. um, of the colony. Yeah. Um, you know, you have, you you essentially have, um, you know... A duty to a, queen and country. To, to, yeah, yeah, all, all of that. Thank you. I was yeah. looking what to say, but that's exactly what you have. Yeah. The, the right to come. You have essentially a British passport. Mm. You can come over, you can do this, mm. and hey... You'll be welcome with open arms. Mm. Yeah, when you go, it's a completely different story. It's the same thing that we mm. see with um, what they call like metropolitan France and some of the the the, the French like, Caribbean islands are like Reunion and Gu- uh, Guadeloupe, Guadeloupe, I think, yeah, and stuff yeah. like Martinique, that, yeah. and Martinique. And it's like the same issue there as well. In fact, there was a a big issue about um, I think I watched this on Newsnight a couple of months ago. It's very in- interesting. A, a bunch of kids um in Reunion or Reunion who were taken up taken apart. From their family, some were put into metropolitan France, i.e., the France that we know, and some were left behind and basically just split a bunch of families because it was like, wait, hey, these are French um, citizens, so they would rather be in France than be a reunion with their family and stuff, and it's all kind of messed up and da 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 da, da. and it's, mm. it's it's sort of like that, and it's I, I think yeah. For me, like that, what. I feel like you were trying to sort of highlight that there's a perhaps a hypocrisy below in that you know um, you feel entitled to this country, but the, the 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 very thing that grants you a passport to this country is your oppression. And yeah, like I get that the, obviously there's a hypocrisy in that, but the point is is that you you know these people feel aggrieved because they've been sold a lie. 
like mm. colonial, colonialism mm. is one of the, it's, it's self-serving. Yeah, it's one of the best designed things of all time because it's literally changed the, the nature of the entire world, mm-hmm. right? And now we're able to say, oh, globalization. Mm. But realistically, the yeah. only reason... Or the Commonwealth. Right. Mm. Only well, the world thing, common. Mm. But then, but then, you know, like even whilst you were saying this, I was thinking about the weird relationship that we now have mm. with the motherland country mm. in terms of, you know, we're like not calling the, the UK the motherland, by the way. Well, where are you calling the motherland? Then, well, the motherland. But that's, is, but that's what who's ever called the motherland in the UK? That's what Britain was known as, the motherland. Was yeah, mother okay, country? Yeah, mother yeah, country. Yeah, yeah. The mo- yeah, okay, okay, the and mother country in, in, yeah. in the empire. Okay, mother so. country in the empire was Britain, right. and. Now we see weird things happening whereby people who are the children or grandchildren of people from former colonized countries are becoming members and officers and commanders of the British Empire mm. by taking awards. Mm. And I find that I find that strange <laughs> because it's a weird thing to do mm. as a award to mm. take an award that says that I am a commander or I'm an officer yeah. of an empire that actually, for all intents and purposes, Made my family's my ancestors' lives a living hell. Mm. That's between that's between that's their own personal problem if they mm. take that in it. That's their mm. own personal problem, especially if they may have said in a previous life, "No, I'm, I'm against mm. the whole but idea." But people write whole Guardian articles empire. empire. Mm. Yeah, it's no, a weird one. Man. It's a proper weird one. My um, so I don't know if a lot of people know this, but my grandmother um was awarded an MB back in '97. Is for, it? Yeah, for her work um right. with the elderly like West Indian community in, in North London. I think you said, yeah, you remember you said. Oh yeah. my God, actually, you've actually said this. In Harringay and Enfield, yeah, so. Um, is that when, is this the one that grandma that passed? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. when she had she passed, like the huge funeral. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, I I, I, I see what you're saying. Um, when I was seven years old, I, I didn't really know. Yeah, like, course. I mean, all I knew was that my grandma was, she done something good and she went to see the queen and she met the queen, which was cool, right? Mm. Um, but it is, it's a funny one. I feel like if the title of the um, award was changed, then I think people would be yeah. sort of Because I think the point of it is, is that you're you're being recognised for doing right. good good works oh. in, in British society. And I don't have any problem with recognition. I yeah. think we should have but more of it. I, I agree. I think that the, the, the name is definitely it's something problematic. that yeah. you know what, definitely I, should be up, something that's up for I, I just, an sorry, update. I, I just thinking about the question. I just had a light bulb moment because... Okay. You actually look like you had a life. No, because I I am now taken to um, uh, two interesting stories. I know um, mm. uh, two people uh, whose family they, I don't they, they, these two people don't know each other, mm. but they come from their their families. This is a true story. Yes, okay. it's true. It's true. <laughs> I thought Tom was going to no, start no, no, telling no. us a their, fairy tale. Their families <laughs> both owned plantations. One in Ghana. Mm. Um, they're black, by the way. One in Ghana, one in Nigeria. Both own mm. plantations. Mm. Um, they come here, <laughs> to, or the family have come here to the UK, and because of the fact that they participated in owning plantations and sort of being part of a controlling order and controlling elite, yep. they come here with a different kind of class mindset. Mad kind of class mindset. And that's mm-hmm. another aspect that we haven't necessarily spoken about because it's so obtuse. The kind of class angles as well, because I often think we don't really talk about class in the in the black community like that. Um, we did a whole episode on it. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. We, I know, we, we did about, about middle class. I know, we do. <laughs> I, I know, I know. But I'm just saying, it's not spoken about it in size. You know what okay. I mean? It's not really. It's not a, I'm not saying we have. We have spoken. About it. I know yeah. we've spoken about it, but like everyone else hasn't. Spoken. <laughs> No, but it's just heard it here first. Because I thought about it. I was thinking about these two girls that I know. One of them just mad posh. You think she could black girl? She could easily have tea with the queen and fit in, you know. Apart from, but, but for the color of her skin, and the other girl the same thing. And that is almost the sort of perverse function of colonialism that you were given some almost form of command or control yes. by the ruling order. And yet, when you come here, everything is still quite cushy for you because of the fact that you've done that because you've been able to inherit some wealth of your activities mm. and you've done this already mm. you're moving cushy and furthermore when I remember it's meeting like an essay man no no sorry I know I do this all the time I he know, hasn't but... spoken as long as I've been speaking today give him a <laughs> no but he used the word furthermore that's oh, what I mean oh right, <laughs> right, right, right okay <laughs> at least I said cushy in the same sentence nice balance balance juxtaposition there you know but furthermore um so, and the maddest thing I see from this is when those two people speak to you, 
It's so mad. They talk to you and they'll be, they'll be scoping you out for your credentials. All of this. Um, duh, 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 duh. This one, this one babes was looking down at me like no man's business. Oh, where did you study? I said what I studied. What did you read? I said what I read. Oh, and everything just opened up like a fucking mm-hmm. light bulb, mate. Sorry, I know we shouldn't swear. We all have to get this edited. I apologize. Um, but everything opened up and it was like, this is actually mad. So you can't even come talk to me like a, a normal human being or you're talking to me like someone... This girl was going to the opera and going like gliding ball and all of these things. And I'm not saying there's a problem with that, but I'm saying that's almost a but, weird yeah, but I function. Get, I get exactly what you're saying. Do you know what I mean? This is a conversation I had this week. I know I'm going around, mad left with it, but you know. Around around colonialism created a system by which a certain type of culture was valued, mm-hmm. right? Of course. And then it, it meant that people from former colonized nations and people today have to assimilate in order to to like gain some sort of power and access to that culture, right? Mm, yeah. So the more of that culture you know, the more likely you are to gain power, the more likely you are to assimilate, the more likely you are to fit in and pass. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem for me because the, the fundamental problem is that nowadays it means that for me to like grime, for me to like the things that I like and the things that I enjoy, that kind of culture is considered low culture because it ultimately it's not the culture that's... That was enforced upon you know the yeah. high culture of of fine art versus the low culture of oh, yeah. I don't know graffiti, graffiti on the wall yeah. you yeah, know yeah, or something yeah. like that yeah know? I mean in, in any given system there's obviously going to be like a hierarchy of you know culture mm. and sort of um, yeah for sure and you know like think things are codified like what you do um how you carry yourself what you say blah 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 like um and. Everything's codified apart from this bloody constitution that we have in the UK. But anyway, please continue. Yeah, but um, I think the, the issue, I'm, I don't think there's any wrong with, you know, sort of enjoying, you know, these things that, you know, the dominant culture considers it to be, you know. No, I'm not the, saying the, we shouldn't enjoy um, them. No, not at all. Um, but I think what the, the, the issue is definitely, you know, us thinking that we are able to just sort of, by 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 tapping into these things that, you know, this will grant us a pass. Yeah, it and, doesn't give us a buy-in. Because, I mean, if you look at, for example, like the royal family at the moment, like, I mean, Meghan Markle, she, you know, she's she's biracial to us, but, you know, mm-hmm. for all intents and purposes, basically, in, in the context of the royal family, she's a black woman. Basically. But it doesn't matter how high you go in British society, you cannot shake the shackles, no, you see the figurative way, shackles and, of, and, of, of your, yeah. your, your ethnicity. And, and you, see, you see the way, like, color. the press and commentators have complained about various things that she's gone and done. The most like, recent no, the, one. The, the avocados. The avocados. The avocados, man. I couldn't oh, believe that. God. What was another one? Another one was, um, oh, she was wearing a dress and she was showing a bit of skin. Her shoulder. Her shoulder. Her shoulder, shoulder which yeah. is, thank you. It was only her shoulder. And someone was like, she should conform. And someone was like, hold on, but <laughs> queen. You know, God There's bless her. There's a picture her. of the queen. There's a quick shoulder of the queen. And so is yeah. the problem the shoulder or is the picture that, or is the problem that the shoulder is slightly more, it's got more color to it than what <laughs> we're used to. But, the hue's a little bit, you know, but yeah, this, it's a bit richer this, than what we're this, normally used to seeing, this, you know. This example of Meghan Markle just brings it back to, I feel, what I was saying before um, with um, why West in, older West Indian people, mm-hmm. they will have a gripe with, um, people that belong to the European Union now having more rights to them. Because just bear, bear with me on this. After a couple generations, your Polish um, family or whatever, they will lose the accent. You know, the, the surname will just become another quirky kind of interesting surname. Oh, that's a weird surname. But they will become British. Yeah. Whereas us, five, six, seven, ten yeah, generations down the line, we won't, the skin, we won't have the... Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? Can't do it. Because... Um, Another funny thing that happened to me when I was um when when I was younger, uh, one of my good friends, he is um his dad, his family's Irish, and um, no, so his fam his dad's family's Cypriot and his mum's family's um Irish. Mm. Um so neither of those nationalities are are British. Do you know what I mean? But he grew up in um East London as well, he's a West Ham fan, just like you, Tom. But it's funny, like I have more of a claim or just as equal a claim to being British as he does, mm-hmm. because I'm born of two immigrant parents, just like his parents are, he's born of two immigrant parents. But if you saw him and you saw me and said, oh, which one, are, like, which one's yeah. British? You'd mm. obviously point See, there's to a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a reason why, I've said this to someone before, there's a reason why a lot of, like, our parents, aunties and uncles have a strong tendency to, like, um, an Arsenal versus a Chelsea, a Tottenham, or a, a West Ham in London. Um, that reason is very simple. Um, primarily because 
um, Arsene Wenger brought in a lot of black kids when no one else was doing this. And this is at a time when even Sir, Sir Alex, God bless him, if, because um, he was Scottish, if, you know, someone was English, he saw them as a foreigner. Mm-hmm. And so seeing, no manager was doing what um, Arsene Wenger was doing, which is what, ironic when I think about it, it's why a lot of our parents go and love Arsenal. They love the Arsenal in a mad way. And the slightly older ones love Liverpool. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's exactly right. There's a reason why they love Liverpool because of John Barnes and them man's there. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So, um, I, like, it's sort of... I am comfortable. I, I I was comfortable going to Upton Park, but I was always more comfortable going to Highbury or going to mm. the mm. Emirates. And I've always felt that way. Mm. Mm. Even though I'm a West Ham fan and I love West Ham, but there's always... And people are quite cool now, do you see what I'm mm. saying? But it's like... It's, I was, I went, I went, when I went with my mum, I was like, oh, raw, like, I actually had to think twice. I was like, raw, I'm going with my mum, like a, a black woman to football and that. I was like, mm-hmm. not that is she not, it's not, is she going to be all right? But I was just like, I wouldn't think that if I was going to, to the Emirates. I wouldn't think yeah, twice about that. Yeah. But because I was going to the Olympic Stadium, I was like, oh, just a split second. It was only mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Is that she going to be all right? And, and. I mean, it was fine. We sat down comfortably and peacefully. But these are these are some of the things mm. that I definitely think that the function of colonialism is that we feel sometimes like unwelcome. We feel like persona non grata sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And it's such a regular occurrence to us. And it's like, I felt it so many times, even, even at uni. I felt it so many times, people looking at you like, oh, rah, like, or we've all spoken mm. about the crappy stories about being stopped by the security or the pause outside certain colleges or mm-hmm. people looking at you or oh, what did you say? Or, you know, are you from ARU? No disrespect to them, but do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, are you from ARU or are you visiting someone from home? It's like, mm-hmm. why do you have this in your head mm. that I can't like just, you know. So it's created, a, it's created a system that operates in the world today that we can't get out of, right? Essentially, we're saying that colonialism literally shook up the fabric of what the world was and meant that people who, who come or are the descendants of people from former colonized nations cannot move through the this country mm. being Britain without a, without question. Well, yeah, yeah. I think it's, it means that our very existence is like criminalized. Like, mm. You can just be in a place and exist and breathe as a black person and someone will feel uncomfortable or want to call the police or you're loitering, you shouldn't what be. What about people from other, because we've spoken a lot about like, obviously mm. we're speaking from our own lenses and we've spoken a lot about the Caribbean and Ghana and Nigeria and mm. stuff. What about people from like, I don't know, Asian nations that were colonized as well. Do you think that like, I think, think it's a little bit of a different I, I I personally think that's a little bit of a different kettle of fish. Um I because I, I think there's the element of there's this kind of for some communities anyway, because someone said even the term British Asian is mad because someone who's Indian Sikh is gonna have someone that's a very different experience to someone who's mm-hmm. like um someone who's Muslim and from Pakistan. They're going to be two, there'd be two very different experiences. But there's this notion, um, and I, I saw it like a lot of so it's Asians, particularly Indians, like in the, in the 90s and 2000s about um, your son will be a doctor, son will be a doctor, a lawyer, da, 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 da. there's this collective idea of moving forwards and gaining economic prosperity and buying houses and all of this. And I don't know how this idea became one collective idea and whatnot. I, I'm not sure how it became an idea, but I certainly think that, um, and I'm talking from a complete aspect of ignorance, it's just from things I, I've seen and observed. Mm. Um, that's one thing I saw, that there was this idea of, okay, we might not be welcomed, but we can try and gain some economic um, power. Or well, maybe power is mm. a bit of a stronger, but we can gain some kind of economic stronghold or foothold um, in this country, because that's what we came here for. Mm. Um, I think... Um, yeah, please. I mean, oh, go links, ahead. Oh, yeah, links to that. I mean, I, again, I'm not Asian, so I can't really speak to their, for their experience, but one of my good friends, he's Pakistani, and he actually does a podcast where he talks to the older generation of Pakistani people um, about their experience coming to the country and what have you. It's called Gupshop, Little Plug, Large Up You Gills. <laughs> What's it called? It was Gills. Gupshop podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Or Gupshop. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, right. but you get me. Um, but for them and for the experience um, conversations I've had with him mm. is like there seems to be more of a reverence to Britishness and mm. empire that seems to be quite pertinent in the subcontinent Indian um, community and what more of like a happy relationship or yeah I think particularly for like their yeah, grandparents mm. generation um, 
and more of a reverence like the British Empire. I don't know. Maybe it's not, I, not necessarily that they see having had positive effects, but there's yeah. just so much. I, 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 I definitely feel it has something to do with how we are treated within the context of colonialism or within the context of Brit- the British Empire in that. So the colonialism, obviously, was a, is a global project. So it's, it's effects mm-hmm. are, you know, far-reaching, worldwide, world, worldwide mm-hmm. reaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that, because let's not, let's not get it twisted, like how um, our notions of race and um, sort of racial essentialism, that's not something that just came up by accident. No, this, these are things that were by espoused. Design. It was espoused by scientists. Mm-hmm. Like, this mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. why black people are like they, mm-hmm. how they are. Oh, eugenics and them yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. none of this happened by accident and all of this was taught and, um, um, and, and shared. And this was, you know, the... This was something that everybody kind of understood as like this is this is mm. how the world is, right? Into like the collective psyche, mm. right? Exactly. Mm. So yeah. within colonialism, within white supremacy, obviously it's a hierarchy, and mm-hmm. in that hierarchy, black people are at the very bottom. So we're talking about how um, you know mm. this this would affect um, yeah. other other immigrant communities, blah blah mm. blah. Mm. Where I you know I don't feel one hundred percent comfortable. Discussing what other people go yeah, through because yeah, yeah. I'm obviously I'm not an Asian male. I'm you know I'm a black male um, from London, but um, I think with what you're saying, Kweku, um, with how um, a lot of older Asian people, I guess, because let's not forget older black people, they too have a kind of yeah. Like, it's funny. I've, 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 I've watched one um, play where is is set in the Caribbean, but like no, it's, it's set in. A people from the Windrush generation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and living in Nottingham, I think. Yeah. And she had all like the plates and mm-hmm. like, the queen and the coronation and yeah. these types of things. So, this is a lot of reverence there as so well. that generation that came over, right? They came over and they didn't really know what the real Britain was, right? Yeah. They came over here and they were shocked. So they and my grandma, it, but prior to it, they held it in high esteem. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, and this is also why there is a sort of slight disconnect when people talk about. British West Indians and oh I don't get West Indian culture and what they're talking about is British West Indian culture and mm. obviously it's not the same as West Indian culture but anyway that's a discussion for another day but my point is once you are in the context of you know Britain mm. as a black body I think it's very difficult to continue holding this reverence for this British empire mm. more so than if you were someone that was Asian why because obviously there's this hierarchy of oppression and black people were right at the bottom so to be a black person in the UK, you like you're already set up to sort of be in resistance. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Your very existence mm-hmm. is illicit. Your very existence mm-hmm. is illegal. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. why you know the the people that were in like you know in their youth in the seventies and the eighties. Though, if you talk to those people today, you know they will have the view of you know like this is you know we are fighting this thing that's oppression mm-hmm. and blah blah blah. Yeah. With the old generation, like, I'm not saying that they, you know, obviously didn't fight oppression or whatever, but they are more likely to have reverence for the British Empire because it's still like they're still having to unlearn the things that mm. they have been taught and and ingrained in their minds that you know the British Empire is this land, this golden land of opportunity. Mm. Do you know That's what I mean? So we've spoken a lot about like religion. We've spoken a lot about assimilation. We've spoken a lot about like where we place value on culture, mm. yeah. and also about like the hierarchy of how obviously we spoke about racism and a hierarchy of oppression, right? Mm. All of these being lived aspects that remain fundamentally as a the legacy of colonialism mm. by which people from former colonizations have to go through to mm. operate and exist in this country today. What I'd love to know, sort of as we begin to like wrap the conversation up, right, is what are people like in our generation um, who have come, who are the descendants of people from former colonies, mm. what are we still being asked to do in order to exist in this country? Can I somewhat related, but maybe doesn't directly answer that question. But one thing that stuck out, and obviously I've been quite quiet listening to him because I was kind of just taking in what you guys were saying. It's been an interesting conversation, but I've been thinking a lot more as far as what the initial conversation was, mm. how it affects our lives on a personal mm-hmm. level. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, one thing that really stood out, which I can't believe it didn't come up earlier, but was the language thing. And that's related to how mm. we value our original Mm -hmm. kind of cultures and from my experience um you know speaking of someone from afghanian heritage 
um, the language thing is, is such a big deal and I, I constantly see conversations on Twitter about it from not just Ghanaians but people from different yeah, countries yeah, yeah. But, um, I mean mainly in Africa to be fair mm. mainly in West Africa to be fair where they didn't grow up with their parents speaking a language to them mm. and that really kind of highlights the fact that a big part of our culture and, and language is such a huge part of it a mm, lot of the, um tradition and even, even within the language and within the, the words used has a lot to do with, um, you know, the, the, the culture itself, um, especially, particularly given the oral history of a lot mm. of these countries. So when that wasn't passed on or wasn't seen as, this wasn't valued high enough to pass on, I mm. think goes to show one of the effects of colonialism and the need to integrate into what mm. was becoming are essentially our new home. And it's weird for me in, in my particular circumstance because my parents came with the idea of always going back to Ghana. Mm. They never came with the idea that they're going to live here forever. Mm. But even with that said, they still Did decided. And, and I think there was somewhat of a conscious decision, um, at least the way my dad tells it. And that's, to be honest, that brought up quite a lot of resentment for me towards them as far as like, why would you? Why, yeah, yeah, why did you such a big part of yeah. my culture? Why didn't you let me have access to it, essentially? Mm. Um, and um, I guess whilst living here, I didn't go back to Ghana until I was like 15. So it didn't really have that much effect. Obviously, I have my Ghanaian aunties and uncles and have the house parties and whatever, whatever. There's, there is a lot of Ghanaians in London. So mm. I'm still part of the culture and it's within my household. But the language thing, like, has always, always, always really irked me. Mm. Um, mm. And why is it that? Is us that fails to maintain this Indian in that Indian and Pakistani culture? They always speak the language at home. Chinese people, they like I've even a friend from um, Mauritius, but uh, well Chinese via Mauritius, and he went to Chinese school. Like his parents wanted you to learn how to read, speak, write, etc. Yeah, we don't have that same. We don't have that same value where it was seen as a mandatory part of of, of really embracing your whole culture mm. um and and i think for just linking trying to link it a bit to what you know Bilal raised as far as like um our generation of like the children of immigrants um that's that's a big thing that's going to impact us moving forward um because we're not going to have that on to pass mm. on to mm. the next mm. generation a lot of us won't yeah a lot of us won't yeah. um this is so, yeah. this is why i was saying this thing that the, the thing about like the hierarchy of you know the reason why because you mentioned there was a um, an Indian person but well, well Indian people they tend to speak their language yeah speak Punjab or Punjabi yeah. or whatever yeah and we have this thing where we because in in the Caribbean as well it's not all people but it's almost like patois like what whatever Creole that your your island mm. speaks it's almost like it's looked down on as like a kind of like a, a bastardized language, like it's not mm. a real language and you're, mm -hmm. that's not proper English. Don't speak that way. Do you know what I mean? And again, it's this thing of we've been taught that whatever belongs to us culturally is like very much at the bottom. Like what, mm. what we're taught about ourselves is that, you know, whatever we hold value to culturally mm -hmm. is expendable. Mm -hmm. But, you know, our, Asia, our Asian friends in, in, you know, the empire, whatever, like they didn't, well, at least as far as I know, they don't have that same stigma when it comes to speaking their language and celebrating their mm. culture. So it's like, you guys right at the bottom, forget everything you know. You know, it's all it's all trash. Whereas the people that are slightly above you, okay, well, you know, you're not complete savages. So we'll allow you to speak mm. your language. You know, you, you know, you can hold on to your customs. You know, even hold on to your religion. Because let's not forget, like, India is not, is not Christian the same way that, you know, the African mm -hmm. um, countries, the colonized African countries or the West Indies is, is Christian. Do you see what I mean? Like yeah. they were able to hold on to like strong tenets of their, their culture. So that's very true. Yeah. And I've been listening to this whole conversation about like Asian-ness and being like, I wish I could contribute mm. even though I'm like, I am half Asian. Don't worry, we're going to get into this. Um, We've got a, a guest or two lined up in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really get yeah. into this. Yeah, we'll really get into this in a, in a little bit with that exciting guest. Yeah, but I don't. Um, I actually can't really speak on the behalf of Asian people because I don't know. Our Asian correspondent is not. I know. <laughs> qualified to... Speaking from BBC Asian Network. <laughs> no, I literally don't know because it's an up. It's a side and a. That culture. makes me laugh so much because remember that that time that person came for you and was like, oh, this person man. is like. Do you remember when she brought out, she brought out stats, man? Brother. She came with percentages so, of my own DNA yes, that were incorrect. So, so some nice. random person oh, was God. just like, 
These coming, trolls. For, coming for Bill out on Twitter and was saying that he's, you know, he's piggybacking off the black experience. And yeah. really, he's an Asian guy. You know what yeah. she said? She said, I'm, um, I'm Asian in a day and I'm black for pay. And I was like, bruv, yeah, imagine if just... being mixed race paid me money. That'd be madness. Because it doesn't, sadly. Anyway, <laughs> all trolls aside, like, yeah. one of the things that I'm really picking up on and hearing mm. is this idea of, like, a lostness yep. and things mm-hmm. being lost. Mm-hmm. And... Culture being lost and like tradition being lost, and mm. also like mm. language and all of that value that came that was there pre colonialism and then pre pre what say pre colonialism. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. the one, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then um, but also like first it, first generation immigrant, it was still there and it was brought here, but it's slowly being eroded and lost mm. because yeah. of assimilation. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I think when we think about the long-term impacts and the lived impacts on our generation and on our lives today, it is that we are we are like this blend of British and wherever else we're from. Mm. And, you know, we're probably going to pass on even more of that British side, unfortunately, because of the context in which we live to our children. Because the things that even, even the things that I grew up with as part of what my grand parents generation would do in the household mm. i don't do them things every day like i don't slam dominoes on a friday no i said like and it's <laughs> do you bang. no, no. So, i wish i did you know what i was shamed bang, I, was sh- I was shamed last week um i got talking to this white girl that spent a lot of time in the caribbean and right. she's like oh yeah do you play dominoes do wow. you know how to play dominoes and i'm thinking back i was like when was the last time i played dominoes really i must this have been about it. 10 11 years old so, but she knew how to play dominoes and yeah. i didn't re- like I, I couldn't be sure I'm like yeah yeah i know how to play dominoes yeah. I was just like, Wrong. anyway, I want to, I want to sort of, anyway, we're coming to the end because yeah. I know Brent's got people coming in, but like, <laughs> I want to actually shout out one of my guys, the real Ben Hurst, who is coming on soon, actually. Yeah, but yeah. he, um, me and him had the conversation about this whole lost void thing mm. and about passing on culture, but also how do we uphold and maintain the cultural traditions of our grandparent generation? Like, one of the things me and him were talking about is why don't we just start playing dominoes on a Friday or something? We'll set up something where it's a regular thing. And I was mm. like, that's kind of cool. Even though it's like, it will be not the same as the way that our grandparents did it. Mm. It's like holding on to something that's precious mm. and dear. Yeah. I think if we're going to do that, I feel we do need to make more of a concerted effort to reconnect with where yeah. our families are from. Uh, yeah. That's definitely something that I really want to do this year. Mm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, an, it's not an easy one, man. Um, I feel... Like Brits at the moment, black Brits, we are, I think perhaps because of a void um, or just perhaps because, you know, black people being creative and being mm. resourceful, we are creating, we, like, I mean, we had a whole live episode about creating this. culture. You no, know, creating and dictating culture. So we are, you know, we are bringing up a culture of our yeah. own. Yeah. But um, it, should, it would be a shame if that's at the expense of, 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 of losing, losing out on, you know, what, you know, what yeah. our parents the culture that our parents grew up with and our mm. grandparents grew up with, I think it's really important to reconnect mm-hmm. um, just to give us a sense of grounding. Because one thing that I felt as, you know, a you know, child of immigrants, shall we say, is that nowhere ever really feels like home, mm-hmm. um, which mm-hmm. has its good points. Mm-hmm. It means that I can travel around and like Brazil became, I guess, like my adopted home for, for, mm-hmm. a, for a bit. Um, but it is a bit You've of a shame. never mentioned that. No, but I mean like Brazil... <laughs> Oh, okay, sorry. I'm, I'm slow, man. I didn't. <laughs> hey, you might know that. Um, what's her name? You know, Shade Adu. She made a song called "Immigrant." Actually, it's a very sad song. Wow. I'd encourage you to all listen to it. Okay. Because you bring it, it. It sort of. Um, I hate Bilal, man. It conveys the sense of. of this is the first time you've actually said lost, it out loud and not tweeted it. <laughs> it conveys the sense of being lost. Actually, I was just thinking about it. Yeah. So yeah, Shade Adu. You know, um, she made a song called "Immigrant." Cool. Yeah. Check that out, man. Check just out. anyway, mm. I want to wrap this up mm. because. Brent, I know someone not at all. Um, I think this has been a really good conversation. Just as a summary, we've kind of talk, spoken about what the impact of colonialism is today in for our lives as people growing up in, in, in Britain, in London, very specific context. You might have your own if you're listening. Mm. You might be like, but I don't know that. And that, that doesn't happen to me. Cool, man. That's your life. That's your life experience. Share it with us. Get in touch. Um, on, on all socials, Twitter and Instagram, at OTB Podcast UK. Email us as well because we love receiving emails. Um, OTBpodcastuk at gmail.com. And also, like, if you haven't listened to our live episode yet, we put it up this week. We didn't really announce it. I'm sorry, but we put it up and it's there, man. And listen, it's like a two hour. We go in depth because we had some wicked guests. Shout out Swazi and Shanice, who was so good on it as well. And one thing just to announce, we are up for an award, man. We're going tomorrow night to hopefully win. 
Well, um, when, when does this come out? Because it will be... I mean, to, to tomorrow. So this, we're up for an award right to, now. tonight. <laughs> right now. <laughs> Maybe you'll be listening to us and we would have announced that we didn't win or hopefully we'll announce that we won hey. um, our first ever awards. But it's cool that we're even in that space because we only started like yeah, less man. than a year ago. Massive shout out to all the listeners, man. Cause yeah, it's because of you. Yeah, It's because of you that it's been plugging us and bringing us this far. And we've got some mad exciting guests up this season. Like our... Future episodes are looking banging. I'm excited. I'm Jeez. so excited. I don't. I can't even announce this. I was going through the DMs yesterday. Our Twitter DMs. God. I was, seeing, I was like, it's when I look so at bad. some of these yeah. names, yeah. I'm like, are you for real? Yeah. For real? <laughs> anyway, that's for you lot to find out in a future episode. But carry on listening to us. Keep plugging us and showing us love because we love you too. Thank you so much. Over and out. Peace. <laughs>